He's already been dead and it's messed with his head. It's John's post-life crisis. Welcome to John's post-life crisis. I am your host, John Johnston, founder of CornNation.com, your Nebraska Cornhusker site of no bowl game this season. That's not a very fun way to start a podcast, but we're coming to the end of 2019 and the next year should look better than the last one, and we're all hopeful. But in this episode, we're talking with Drew Schneider of the SB Nation Clemson site, Shaking the Southland. How are you doing today, Drew? Do, doing okay, man. I'm doing okay, just in that sort of post-holiday uh, lull. Yeah, you got a game coming up against Ohio State very soon, the college football playoff. Um uh, we're here to find out about Clemson, and I'll be honest, uh, I didn't watch hardly. I watched Clemson for a little while during the North Carolina game. That was their only close game of the season. Uh, I watched, obviously, I watched a lot of Big Ten football, and I watched Ohio State a lot. So Clemson and Ohio State, I mean, they both, they pretty much both smashed everyone. What is it? They have both to have the highest scoring margins of anyone else in the nation. Yep. That's, uh, you know, Clemson's just been burying people all year. So it's understandable that you haven't seen a lot of Clemson games because if you don't turn tune in during the first half, you really don't even get to see uh, Clemson play much. About well, mid- that- Go ahead. I said about, about midway through the third quarter and uh, almost every game uh, it's been, uh, you know, you get a good chance to see what Clemson's going to look like in two years because the reserves are all playing. So what I interviewed the Ohio state guide earlier and he felt like this matchup with you guys is the national title game that either team that wins this game is going to go on and beat LSU. What, what do you, your response to that? I think that's pretty accurate. I think those are the two most complete teams uh, as far as offense and defense goes. Um, I do think that's a little – I don't think LSU is a pushover by any means. I, I think they would Clemson and Ohio State would both be favored. Uh, I think uh, I'd take Clemson over LSU, and I might take LSU over Ohio State, though. Really? Okay, Dabo Sweeney is playing the disrespect card. Uh, I don't get that. But, I mean, it seems cheesy to me. I, I think Nick Saban's done this a few times. Is it, is it just cheesy coaching or is it – what's the deal with that? Well, I mean, look at the uh, postseason uh, awards uh, banquets and, and you'll see a surprisingly few number of Clemson players uh, – getting an invite this year. You've got, what, two Ohio State players, uh, Oklahoma player, and a LSU player in the Heisman. So Clemson gets shut out of having a Heisman finalist, uh, even though Clemson has uh, Travis Etienne, most yards, uh, best yards per carry, uh, legendary, like unprecedented yards per carry in production over his last two years at Clemson, uh, shut out of the uh, Doak Walker Award, T. Higgins doesn't get uh, doesn't get uh, invited to the Bolitnikoff. Isaiah Simmons is the only player on Clemson uh, to win a postseason award, and that was uh, as the uh, best linebacker. So while Dabo uh, 
does lay on the disrespect card a little thick. I think this year's Clemson team, especially on an individual basis, uh, has been disrespected. And I think he's uh, standing up for some of his uh, players who have put up incredible numbers and seem to be overlooked uh, on the national scene. You know, the ACC wasn't good this season. You guys didn't have a very good strength of schedule. Comment on that, and then I have a follow-up to it. Well, you know, that's something that's out of uh, Clemson's uh, control. They uh, schedule have one of the most aggressive non-conference schedules uh, in the nation and have for years. Um, so this year they scheduled Texas A&M. That was the, the back end of a home-and-home. Um, so, you know, when we played Texas A&M, we, I think A&M was ranked 10th or 11th maybe. And, uh, Clemson essentially shut them out in the second game of the season, uh, with a healthy A&M squad. And then, um, you've got, uh, you know, South Carolina at the end and they're usually garbage, but it's another SEC school. Uh, and you know, they scheduled Charlotte, you played in a bowl game. Uh, so Clemson did everything they could to have a good schedule. Uh, Dabo's broken the uh, ACC, uh, much like Saban broke the SEC a while ago. So it's going to take a little while for these uh, ACC schools to figure out what's going on and how to even compete with Clemson. Okay, the follow-up to that is Alabama. Nobody gives Alabama any crap for their schedule. No. Why do you think that is between Dabo and Nick Saban? Is it is it Dabo's personality, or is it because Clemson is still seen as up and coming? Or yeah, sports wow. writers love the blue bloods. That's the easy. That's the easy story. Uh, you know, Nick Saban's been uh, been putting money in people's pockets for a long time, and uh, so he gets the uh, he gets the benefit of the doubt when they open up with Duke and. Uh, you know, Clemson gets hammered for uh, playing Texas A&M. Uh, so that's sort of uh, the way that goes. And again, that's uh, also sort of plays into this disrespect uh, card that uh, I think a lot of people outside the Clemson fan base have a hard time getting their uh, wrapping their minds around because I can understand from the outside looking in, you're going, oh man, Clemson's won, won two out of three last national championships, perennially in the top 10. Uh, but, uh, you know, the disrespect, uh, I feel like uh, the Dabo's playing sort of also ties into Alabama gets a pass and Clemson, you know, gets bumped down to fifth in the opening college football playoff rankings behind uh, Penn State. Yeah, it, I, okay, I get that. I get the blue blood thing. We'll, we'll come back to that in a bit, or history in a bit. Uh, okay, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, T. Higgins. You guys have a lot of offensive weapons. Is your offense better than your defense? Are you balanced there? Pretty balanced. Um, so I guess I'll look back to the Texas A&M game, and, uh, which I consider probably Clemson's most talent versus talent, the closest matchup they've had this year. Uh, and the defense, dom- Clemson's defense dominated that game. Uh, I think AM scored a field, hit a field goal in the second quarter and then scored a touchdown in garbage time with literally no time on the clock. Uh, it was the last play of the game. They snuck a touchdown in against Clemson's second string. 
but the defense, which was supposed to be the weakness of the team this year, uh, really held the team up in the first half of the season until the offense really got uh, clicking. And, and over, but over the last five or six games, it's been a, just a devastation on both sides of the ball. Now, are there, do you see any weaknesses? I mean, do you have any weaknesses that Ohio State can exploit? So what I expect Ohio State to try to do on offense is there. I, ex- I expect them to try to establish Dobbins between the tackles. So Clemson's been playing two different defenses this year. Uh, they play it uh, what you would be used to if you'd seen Clemson the last couple of years, which would be their, their traditional uh, 4-2-5 with uh, like a hybrid linebacker safety uh, as that nickelback, uh, which would be Isaiah Simmons uh, this year. Um they they play like they play that look some, but because of a uh, sort of losing three defensive tackles to the NFL from last year's team, they've switched a lot to a uh, basically a three three five um, where they play a nose guard, two defensive ends, and then uh, either two linebackers and uh, three safeties uh, most of the time. Uh, that's their preferred look. I expect Ohio State to try to run the ball between the tackles and get them out of that look. Um, that's what teams that have had some success have been able to do is uh, make Clemson put an extra defensive tackle on the field. I think Clemson's best 11 on defense uh, is when they go to that 3-2-5. Uh, so they're going to try to get Clemson to play a 4-3. Um, so that'll be interesting to see uh, how Brent Venables adjusts to that. Um, on offense, I just, there's, I mean, just Chase Young, if, if Clemson's going to have to block Chase Young with, uh, you know, their starting left tackle, uh, we haven't really obviously seen a pass rusher like Chase Young, uh, this year. Um, but I think we'll probably, uh, give him some help. Um, the one big issue on the Clemson offense is this year, at least early on is blitz pickup. Travis Etienne does a lot of things really well. He's very not very good at picking up uh, free blitzers. Uh, that's how North Carolina stayed in that game as they kept blitzing the A-gaps and Etienne kept whiffing blocks, and they kept getting in on Trevor Lawrence. So I'll expect Ohio State to try to exploit that a little bit as well and send some guys up to A-gap and see if the uh, Clemson running backs can pick up uh, the blitz. Have you watched Justin Fields much this year? Uh, yeah, since I also write for Purdue, I watched a little bit of Big Ten football. So I, I've seen Fields, and we're familiar with Fields. He's a Georgia kid, came out in the same class as Trevor Lawrence. So we've been sort of been following him uh, for a while since, you know, Clemson and Georgia are only about an hour and a half apart. We see a lot of those guys uh, play. So, uh, you know, Fields has made that big jump from being a – sort of gadget player at Georgia to the man at Ohio State. He's got good mobility. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens when he faces a, a defense that can actually lock up and make him go to his sec- second and third read. Um, from everything we, you know, we've been talking about on Shaking the South Plan, he's really a one-read quarterback. So you'll – looked at his first read it's not there he may go to the second read or he may just try to take off it'll be interesting to see if he can do that uh Clemson will probably use Isaiah Simmons who's bigger faster and stronger than he is as a spy uh on him for part of the game and also 
you know, he's saying he's not 100%. He's saying he's 80, 85% with that uh, MCL injury he's still trying to recover from. So um, if it takes, if you can take away some of his legs, uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can compensate uh, with his arms if he's going to have to go to a couple different reads. Yes, he's more mobile than Lawrence, correct? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I think that's one of the Trevor's big, uh, the big sort of misnomers about Trevor Lawrence's game is that he's not uh, super mobile. I mean, Lawrence uh, has put up really good rushing numbers, and that's been one of the big differences uh, between the first half of the season and the second half of the season where Clemson was kind of trying to save him a little bit and cut down on some of his hits in the second half of the season, they, they, you know, unleashed his run game and, uh, he's, uh, you know, he's this year, Lawrence has 77 rushes for 407 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, and they use him a lot in the zone, the zone read game where teams like to try to crash down on Travis Etienne and Lawrence will pull it and run it. He's a lot better athlete. Uh, at six five, he eats up ground uh, than people uh, maybe give him credit for. Uh, Fields is a little more compact. You'd probably consider him more of the traditional uh, dual threat quarterback, uh, where he does a little bit of scrambling. Uh, but I'll say that Lawrence is extremely hard to sack. He's a big, strong dude. He's probably six five, you know, two twenty five, two thirty, uh, and can move. Uh, so you know, looking at the difference between Fields and uh, Lawrence rushing the ball. Fields this year has 123 attempts for 471 yards and 10 touchdowns. So Trevor's, you know, per carry, two yards better than Fields. <clears throat> and Fields has nine fumbles, which uh, I think Lawrence has zero. Um, so <laughs> What about interceptions, though? That's the big thing with Fields. Wasn't he like – it's, I don't know, 30-some touchdowns to only one interception for Fields? Yep, 40 touchdowns, one interception. Uh, and Trevor had, uh, let's see, 34 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Now, he hasn't thrown a, thrown an interception uh, since the Louisville game. Um, so that would be on October – since October 19th, he hasn't thrown an interception. So uh, some of those uh, interception – uh, issues sort of started the year, uh, but he's cleaned everything up in the last six games. He hasn't thrown a pick. Um, and so feels as good. He's accurate. Like I said, I don't know if he, if in the big 10, he's seen a lot of teams that can just lock up on his first read, uh, and make him go to something else. Uh, and, uh, Brent Venables, if you watched, uh, the national championship game last year certainly gave a similar quarterback in Tua fits where Tua, uh, you know, had, didn't know what was going on through that game opening uh, pick six through another uh, uh, pretty easy pick at the end of the second quarter to really give Clemson some momentum. So I, uh, I've, we've seen accurate mobile quarterbacks before and uh, have done some things to them that, uh, a lot of people didn't think Clemson was going to be able to do. So these are basically basically these two teams are very evenly matched. They don't really have any horrifying weaknesses. This is why coaches make millions of dollars a year to figure out what exact weaknesses they're going to explode exploit. How how do you think this is going to play out? 
Um, I think Ohio State's going to come out and try to press Clemson's wide receivers. Uh, they're going to lock up Akuda on T. Higgins and try to take T. out of the game. Uh, and then you're going to see Justin Ross go off on the other side of the field. Um, if they don't try to double T, he's. He, I think he still is going to do pretty well against that uh, that that matchup. If they, uh, you know, when they try to go one on one, I think you'll see Clemson and Max protect a lot uh, on offense to give uh, give Trevor some time to work on those downfield matchups. Um, on defense, I think it'll be you'll see Clemson try to play there. Uh, basically, the three two five. You'll, with uh, Simmons uh, locking up as a, either as a spy on uh, on Fields, I think uh, to keep him in the pocket because well, well, he, I would say maybe not a great as good of a dual threat quarterback as uh, people think. When when Fields gets out of the pocket and looks to throw, that's where he's at his best. So he'll have uh, you know a six four, two hundred thirty pound linebacker who runs a four five trying to keep him uh, that from happening. Uh, I think this is going to probably game is probably going to come down to quarterback play and turnovers. Um, I know everybody says that Clemson hasn't been tested this year, but uh, you know, Clemson's also hasn't lost a game, but they're on a 28 game winning streak. And, and I think 10 of the 11 players uh, on offense played in the national championship game last year. So uh, as far as being uh, battle-tested, I think uh, Clemson probably has the edge, and I think uh, coaching goes. I mean, in the college football playoffs, Dabo's knocked off Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, uh, Bob Stoops. Uh, so, you know, I'm not sure uh, Ryan Day is uh, quite there yet. So I think Clemson probably comes in with a definite coaching experience in preparation uh, for games like this. I think they're probably in a better shape than Ohio State right now. High scoring or in the 20s? I think Clemson hits it in the 30s. I think Ohio State's in the 20s somewhere. Okay. All right. So if you get past this, you're probably going to play LSU in basically what is a home game. Right. Yeah. Have you have you ever been to the Superdome or New Orleans? Yes. Clemson played in the Superdome two years ago and lost to Alabama in the semifinals. Uh, and sent, which is again, that's kind of essentially a home game for Alabama. So that's a tough deal uh, for you know anybody to have to go in and play in that uh, you know LSU in the Superdome, uh, which is why I give LSU uh, maybe a better shot. Not not really writing them off uh, like other people are as far as them, uh, you know, being not a walkover, but whoever wins the Ohio state Clemson game being the prohibitive favorite, because that, that dome is going to be loud. And those LSU fans uh, are going to, are going to cause some trouble um, for whoever they play. Okay. Just a little bit about recruiting and then some history and then we'll go. Um, you guys are the top recruiting class this season, correct? Correct. I mean, between you guys, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, it, it's like they're stockpiling draft picks. And I, like you said earlier, the rest of the ACC 
has to figure out what's going on with Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. And we have this situation where the strong keep getting stronger and the weak keep doing stuff like firing a coach within two years at Florida State because they're just, you know, they're desperate. I don't know what they're doing down there. Yep, I mean, they seem more desperate than we are. Yeah, no, Florida State uh, and uh, still thinks that they uh, belong in the upper tier of the ACC and they just need to make the right coaching hire. Everything's going to be fixed. And uh, I think there's more, <coughs> excuse me, there's some more systematic issues uh, with them uh, program wide to, for them to compete, compete with Clemson. Clemson needs Florida State and Miami to not be terrible. Uh, and so, yeah, as far as recruiting goes, Clemson has, uh, I mean, when you mentioned those, those teams that you just sort of talked about, though, Ohio State, Alabama, uh, even Oklahoma, uh, LSU, it, in the past five years, they've recruited on a higher level, at a higher level than Clemson. This is Clemson's first ever, this is the first time Clemson's, uh, you know, finished at the top of the recruiting rankings. They're usually slotted somewhere in the five, between five and 10, which obviously is nothing to sneeze at. But um, Clemson's really built itself up into this recruiting juggernaut, uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, Alabama's you get something from Alabama that means something and Clemson's had to really build its brand to compete with that. Uh, you know, when I was at school at Clemson, uh, we finished my four years, uh, Clemson won one more game than Purdue over the, that four year period. And so I went to school from like 99 to 2003. And since I write for, you know, the Purdue, one of the Purdue websites, I, uh, sort of use that as the benchmark. Uh, so, from 1999 to 2003, Clemson and Purdue were essentially the same program. Uh, and so the the buildup that Dabo has done of taking Clemson from that sort of mid-tier uh, team to uh, elite in recruiting has been one of the uh, more impressive feats in, I think, modern college football. Do you think that they – do you think that the same four or five teams having the top recruiting classes is ultimately very bad for fo- college football? Or um, I mean, since you write for multiple sites and you have more broad experience, I mean, what do you think of that in the long term? I mean, every conference has its its upper echelon, so you know if it's you're going to get what what really needs to happen. I think is some of these West Coast schools need to be be good at football again and sort of spread out the map a little bit um, where, you know, without Southern Cal, without uh, UCLA, um, California is one of the biggest recruiting states and they're losing all the talent. Texas has been down. So, you know, Texas and Texas A&M are trying to figure it out. Um, So some of these teams that should be good, I feel like, have to figure it out. Otherwise college football is going to be the, you know, three or four teams. I think there's teams that could easily make that into, you know, seven, eight, nine teams, but for whatever reason, they either can't make the right hire, don't have enough patience, can't stay out of trouble. <clears throat> um, so right now uh, I, I do think you're, you're seeing some of the imbalance, uh, but I think there's other teams really need to just, step up and and recruit to their abilities 
uh, as a, uh, and I think that so kind of solves itself. That's a good point. Okay, history. Uh, I've never been a fan of Clemson. And it goes all the way back to when I was in college at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Clemson versus Nebraska in the 1982 Orange Bowl. Uh, Nebraska used to go down to the Orange Bowl. And, you know, because we all do this with people in the South, we used to get jobbed by the referees, I swear to God, every bowl game we ever played in. <laughs> that game was Dave Remington versus William Perry. And Dave Remington was – you. I. I went out and I looked. You can't find articles that mention this. You'll mention Remington getting called for holding, but he was called for offsides in that game. I don't know how <laughs> you call a center for offsides, but it happened. So, and then Danny Ford went and got in trouble with the NCAA because he was a cheater. Any reaction yeah. to that? Um, well, you know, William, uh, there was the 80s. I think to say Danny Ford was a cheater, you could probably say that literally about almost every program in the 80s. Uh, it was sort of the Wild West uh, during the college football uh, era. So, you know, I don't, Danny uh, got away with some, did some stuff. I don't think, I don't necessarily think that Clemson was any dirtier than anybody else. Uh, and they certainly paid a, a steep price, probably more than any other team, uh, for what they did. Uh, so, um, you know, I was one years old when that happened, so I don't have a lot. I didn't really watch a lot of that game. Uh, <laughs> nice shot um, at the old man there. Yeah, you know, you got to take your digs where you can get them. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, that was, uh, it took Clemson a long time to recover from winning a national championship in 1981 because they got hammered by the a ACC and the NCAA and really set their program back probably a decade, if not more. Uh, so that was definitely a steep price to pay. Uh, but, uh, you know, Danny Ford is still a legend in Clemson and uh, I wouldn't recommend uh, besmirching his name inside uh, city limits. I will, I will remember that. Is there <laughs> anything else? If there, is there anything else that I've missed that you want to say about Clemson? or Ohio State, or any of the other teams in college football playoff? Well, I just want to say that Ohio State, since we're talking about history, is 0-3 versus Clemson. Uh, the first matchup, I believe, cost Ohio State Woody Hayes because he punched a Clemson player uh, Ooh, during the game. Uh, the second matchup uh, was cost uh, Ohio State the use of Braxton Miller at court quarterback for the rest of his career because Clemson just beat him ruthlessly in the Orange Bowl and ended up Urban wouldn't take him off the field while he was dragging his arm uh, so that Clemson facilitated Braxton's move to wide receiver uh, beating Ohio State that game and I think the last game uh, Ohio State scored exactly zero points uh, against the Tigers uh, so while Ohio State fans like to talk about history. They have a hard time doing it when you talk about their uh, history, both recent and uh, sort of distant past against the Tigers. Uh, and so uh, we're coming for the uh, blue blood status. Okay, is there anything else that I haven't said about Clemson or Ohio State that you want to mention as we go into the college football playoffs? 
Yeah, you know, so everybody wants to talk about history in Ohio State and how they're a, a blue blood program, but uh, you don't really want to look at Ohio State's uh, history against Clemson. They've played three times, lost three times. Um, the first time they played, uh, it cost Woody Hayes' job because he uh, punched a Clemson player on the sidelines and got fired. <clears throat> Second time they played was in the Orange Bowl, right at the start of da- this uh Dabo Sweeney run by Clemson and uh, really Clemson's first real big bowl win. They uh, beat Ohio State and ended Braxton Miller's quarterbacking career because Urban wouldn't take him off the field with a dead arm and uh, Clemson buried him. Uh, and that's why you got Braxton Miller, the wide receiver. And then, uh, of course, the last time they played was on New Year's Eve and they uh, shut out the Buckeyes in a walking uh, embarrassment of a football game uh, for Ohio State. Uh, And uh, so Clemson's record against Ohio State is uh, not something Buckeye fans like to talk about all that much. They'd much prefer to talk about the 50s uh, than the, uh, you know, anything that's happened from 2015 on. Uh, So the Tigers may not be a blue blood uh, but they've certainly had their way with Ohio State over the years. Those are very good points, especially the Woody Hayes thing. I should have remembered that. Uh, I mean, that you know, Woody Hayes punching the Clemson guy. Wow. And good points about crushing them. I'll probably be rooting for Ohio State because they're in the Big Ten, but hey, I don't know. We'll see what happens come game time. It'll be an interesting game. I'll, I'll say that this game, uh, uh, outside of the uh, Alabama game last, the national championship game last year, uh, was obviously uh, a big game, an interesting game for Clemson. But I don't know if Clemson has had a more uh, a better semifinal opponent uh, in this run uh, than Ohio State. I think that may even include. Uh, Alabama's national championship uh, uh, win when uh, Clemson played it in the semifinals. I think this is a very good Ohio State team. Uh, And I I just don't think that uh, people quite realize how good this Clemson team is. Uh, And, uh, you know, because of the schedule, because of the slow start uh, by the offense. But um, I think people are going to have their eyes opened uh, on Saturday night about just – how talented this Clemson team really is after a season of uh, sort of doubting. Well, it's, it, you know, I'd, I'd say that most college football fans appreciated Clemson beating the snot out of Alabama last year, just because everybody was tired of Nick Saban, even though it was not much of a national title game. It was, it was still fun to kind of watch. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I started laughing in the second quarter and just continued laughing until the end of the game. I was all prepared for one of those nerve wracking, you know, had like a case of beer on hand, ready to go just in case things took a turn. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was a nice, easy uh, walkthrough victory with our backup quarterback uh, dominating the fourth quarter. Uh, so. <laughs> I don't. I don't expect that against Ohio State. I think this will, will be a a tight game again. So, like I said, that probably comes down to turnovers and uh, experience. I think Fields uh, turns the ball over a few times. The Tigers take the win. 
Well, good luck. All right, that's that's our episode. Hopefully you've learned a lot more about the Clemson Tigers. We thank Drew for joining us to tell us about their team. Uh, take care, y'all. Hopefully 2020 is a better year than 2019 for us in Huskerland, and I guess we can have fun watching other people in the college football playoff and the hopes that we'll get there someday. God, that <laughs> sounded horrible. <laughs> I'm just going to end right there. But take care, y'all, and thanks for listening. Go Big Red. Okay. Hopefully we right. can clean this up. All right. Yeah, just clean it up. This is not, that's not a, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's all good, man. Well, uh, I know how these things go. I've had a couple podcasts where I've tried to do them at, like, my parents' lake house, and it's like I get back and try to publish them, and <laughs> it's nothing but static. So, uh I think yeah. y'all got a good connection. I think it'll sound pretty good once you get it cut out. All right. Well, take care of yourself. Have a happy new year. I'll keep you, you in mind if I ever need a podcast partner again, because you have a lot of breath. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. If you need to talk, we'll see you during uh, Purdue season. Let me know. I'll be happy to come on and talk about the Boilermakers. All right. Take care of yourself. All right. You too, John. All right. Bye. Bye.